G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Our special guest today has just released a revised edition to a book she's written, including her own experience of overcoming trauma. Now, we often associate trauma with road accident victims or people who are suffering PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or those who perhaps find themselves on the brink of suicide. But trauma may be much more common than we all might think. Some have given up hope or have been crushed by their experiences. People who've been raised in dysfunctional families, including people who've been struggling with addictions, abuse, and even domestic violence, often can suffer trauma. Vivian Wilson has lived a very full life in the service of others and she has seen things that she says nobody should have to see. Working as a preventative health care nurse in Aboriginal communities led to eight years with World Vision in developing countries. Vivian served in Ethiopia where she saw mass starvation. Mozambique, where she saw starving families and child soldiers propping up armies. She worked with unaccompanied children after the Rwandan genocide in Africa. And she worked as a health educator in the Liberian Civil War. And in Central Australia, Vivian worked with Aboriginal people in the petrol-sniffing years, helping families that had been decimated by domestic violence. Well, it is our privilege today to welcome back Vivian Wilson to 2020. Vivian, great to talk to you again. Yes, it's great to be back, Dan. Thank you. Hey, Vivian, you say in your book, overcoming trauma has a double-barreled meaning for you. Uh, Give us an insight into what you mean by that. Well, first of all, um, growing up as a child in a dysfunctional family, uh, that brought its own trauma. Uh, what it was was um, my dad sadly had been in World War Two, and he uh, was called a war neurosis back then, but he suffered a lot from fighting in the Battle of the Coral Sea. And uh, so what happened was uh, in that dysfunction, um, that brought trauma because there was fights in the household, which doesn't help much at all. So that's uh, as a child, um, I, I grew up through that. Um, and had to learn strategies how to cope. Uh, but then, interestingly enough, uh, that was my ended up being my life work, I suppose, as I ended up working with people who were going through uh, traumas. I think probably I had an understanding and empathy for people that were suffering. Just before we move on to uh, your own experiences here, and, uh, you know, I, I picked up a, a point in your book as you were describing your dad. And sometimes when we talk about people who've returned from war and they suffer from trauma, PTSD, um, you know, I think listeners might forgive me, but a context is set by some of the sorts of things that certainly people returning from war are exposed to. You describe that he was in the Navy and that he saw fellow sailors burned to jelly as bombs from Japanese aircraft 
exploded on the decks of a ship. Those sorts of things, when you talk about things we should never have seen, those things stay with us in some sense forever and we can be very significantly shaped by that sort of trauma, can't we? Yes, that's correct. So Dad was um, joined up, I think, when he was uh, 16, going on 17. So by the time he probably got out there, he was 17 fighting on the ship. He was a gunner, so he was outside um, shooting down planes. But what happened was, I think he was on the HMS Australia, and it was the Sydney that was bombed, and um, it was sinking. And so the soldiers uh, that were on that were, um, you know, falling into the water and the sharks came and so in actual fact my mum said his worst phobia was probably the sharks because the, the bodies came and he, he witnessed that as a young, very young and an impressionable age um, uh, so I think that shaped him and then of course that trauma that he had carried through to us because he wasn't able to cope and you know I think we can all reflect on loving our parents and at the same time expecting to have some deeper understanding sometimes of their own behaviour shaped by their own trauma experience. You say your dad drank a bottle of rum a day for the rest of his life. He was so shaken by that trauma. Yes, certainly in the latter part of his life, he did um, take to the rum, and that's what they gave them um, apparently uh, when they said the Javanese are coming um, here and they would give them a pannikin full of rum and they would drink it quickly so that they had courage to be able to shoot down. And now that's the story. I don't know if they did that every time, but it certainly had happened, yes. And don't, so he yep. addicted to rum. Dutch courage <laughs> that actually <laughs> causes uh, an addiction to alcohol and uh, drinking that then for the rest of their lives. Hey, the second part of talking about trauma, the double barrel meaning for you, uh, you were exposed to an awful lot of things. I described some of those things in my introduction there, but being a third world aid worker means you're going to be exposed to all sorts of things. Yes, that's correct. Uh, But I, I knew what I was getting into. I actually wanted to do this. I felt called to do so. Did you feel as though some ways, uh, having trained as a nurse, uh, that that might have prepared you for some of the things that you were likely to see? Undoubtedly, in uh, the organisations that sent you to uh, developing mm. nations, they might have been preparing you, uh, you know, previewing some of the things you're likely to say, see and preparing you for that. Do you, do you have a particular, you know, special uh, hardness about you that can, uh, that can withstand some of the experiences you've had? Uh, yes, I think what it was, I was a fairly new, com- newly committed Christian uh, when I went over to Ethiopia. Uh, but the story was actually that um, I'd been working for the Queensland Aboriginal Health Program. And so I had been living in communities and I had a bit of an understanding about malnutrition. There was not too much there, really. But it was enough to sort of um, give me understanding. So when I went to Ethiopia... Um, uh, that was my first traumatic thing to see. There was 40 deaths a day and it's mind-boggling and you just sort of think, how can you uh, keep going? But it was just keep, you know, I had scriptures that God had given me about feeding the hungry from Isaiah 58 and things like that that just, you know, just keep holding, no, I'm meant to be here. And I think it also had to do with my personality. I think I'm an adventurous person and I took what I did as like, 
living on a, in camping, you know, for the next year or two. <laughs> and so uh, you just took it and just tried. And plus I was fascinated with other cultures and things like that. So I, I didn't dwell, tried not to dwell on all the horrible things around me, but start to look at the positive around me. And I think that helped me through as well and my faith. Most of us might not think of your life as a camping expedition into war zones and those sorts of things. Hey, Vivian, you, I mentioned in the introduction too, you've released a second edition of your book and we spoke about your first edition uh, just a few years ago and you decided to release a second edition to add some elements into your book uh, based on some more research that you had done. Give us some insights into what's, what's developed in you since, uh, since, the, since you released your first book. Yes, I think the first book was a bit of a rush job because I was leaving Alice Springs and um, I wanted to have a launch before I left. And so with that, um, I think I left out a lot of stuff. I've had time to think about it and I have done a lot of research. If you've been somewhat diagnosed with possible PTSD, you, you know, most people will get on the old Google and um, check out what's uh, happening. And of course, I was seeing, had been seeing psychologists and um, counsellors and all sorts of people um, and I've done my own research and so um, I read books on Rwanda in particular because uh, that was probably where I got the PTSD after seeing, I personally saw 50,000, oh sorry, 5,000, not 50, 5,000 dead bodies um, in a church uh, and so when you see something like that, uh, it, it just so shocking that you've got to be able to cope and I think with that I wanted to find out why did that genocide actually happen? Could it have been prevented? And I've been able to read uh, some really amazing books since then um, on the Rwanda genocide and so that's research I've put into this new book um, to give me a better understanding and hopefully other people and understanding why it happened. And then of course I looked at, um, I'd heard of Dr Carolyn Leaf and she's a uh, Christian neuroscientist. And um, she was very good in explaining simply what happens to your brain. And God gave us this most amazing brain. And so what happens is if you um, still dwell on thoughts that are uh, bad thoughts, which is what you get when you get PTSD, um, nightmares and stuff, it's like your brain, the little neural pathways, they sort of swivel up. And it's like a dead tree in your brain. And um, But if you start to think of other things um, and, and look outside of that in positive ways, what actually happens to our wonderful God-given amazing brain is the neural pathways grow and it's like a flourishing tree in your brain. And I think that's possibly why I've stood so strong is because I've helped my brain to, to grow nice positive neural pathways. So I've um, I've put those into the book as well. Uh, let me ask you, Vivian, because when you talk about uh, neural pathways, and in some sense, no doubt listeners will be thinking, you know, how do you make that change? Does it all happen at once? Uh, you're a Christian believer, and no doubt you've had some sort of a devotional life in all of the experiences you've had. A reflection on God in the midst of understanding how uh, neural pathways, uh, looking outside of ourselves, what's happening in our brain uh, that keeps us from dwelling on all of the bad things that we've seen. How does 
having that Christian faith and a devotional life actually contribute to how you might get better if you're suffering trauma? Yeah, well, it's not an instant thing. It's definitely not. It takes a while for your uh, brain to get around what's happened in your life. Um, but the interesting thing, there are other people who have done, neuroscientists uh, have done research, and they've actually done the imaging of the brain, which I think is absolutely fascinating. So they did it where they had, I think, a group of Catholic nuns that were meditating and praying, and uh, they were able to show scientifically that the brain was actually uh, firing. It was, you know, really going uh, in a positive way, neural pathways, etc. And then they had also, I think it was a group of Pentecostal people praying and apparently apparently, the um, brain waves there were also firing and, and it's just absolutely amazing for me to see that um, that's, I think, how I, I, my brain was coping uh, was probably because um, just as it could be proved by science that my brain was firing um, and, and recharging and growing these neural pathways. And I've seen it happen in prayer. I, I believe there's a petrol sniffer um, who was crippled and, and he certainly had a lot of prayer from a lot of people. And he probably even believed that he he was going to get healed and he was he'd been crippled. And um, he walked today and he's married and got a couple of kids. And so, you know, that was to me an obvious uh, case of where I think, even though maybe no doctor diagnosed, there's the possibility that uh, God did a miraculous healing and it's because he made our brains and that's what was happening in his brain and uh, uh, because they can now show it on anything, which is fascinating. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation. Our special guest is Vivian Wilson. Vivian, who's lived a very full life and uh, some incredible experiences that have exposed her to some trauma that some of us uh, might never, uh, ever hope to be exposed to. She's written a book called Overcoming Trauma. Her second edition is just out, and our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. In fact, Vivian, before we take another step further, why don't we take a call from a listener? Sue is in Kingston in Tasmania. Hi, Sue. Welcome. Hello, Neil. And thank you very much. Wonderful um, discussion, and hello, um, Vivian. Yes, hello. Yes, Sue. What are your thoughts? Um, I'd like to ask Vivian what her thoughts are on the definition of post-traumatic stress disorder because I object to the disorder. I personally believe it's a natural human response to trauma, the same as um, adjustment disorder. And I say that because I've been through some massive traumas of my own and I was given a, a diagnosis of adjustment disorder following multiple traumas and I was so incensed by that disorder diagnosis. Um, Post-traumatic stress is a truth and based on the scriptures, sorry, based on the scriptures, trauma should not be a part of our lives and healing is very much a possibility with the healing power of the spirit. So I'd just like your comments, if you don't mind. Sue, what a great question. Uh, Vivian, your thoughts for Sue? 
Yes, okay. Um, first of all, I changed it from post-traumatic stress disorder to post-traumatic growth. Uh, so I feel I've grown. And so I don't want that diagnosis to be put on me and live with that forever. But I want to acknowledge that um, people understand that terminology. And I do believe that uh, there is ways of overcoming and uh, some people are able to overcome a lot easier than others. Um, and so, uh, you know, I don't want to look down on people who are still suffering and, and just can't get out of it. But that's why I wrote the book, because I want people to see that, look, there is a way and that God can help. And um, particularly that's why I put in the neuroscience in there to sort of say this is what can happen in your brain. And it, as Neil read that verse out about, um, you know, turning your mind on to, uh, to God um, they're, they're all very, very important things. And so um, I think I've had a lot of inner healing prayer and I think that's a really good thing to do because sometimes we get stuck, sometimes in an emotion and uh, we sometimes God certainly is there, but I felt that when I went for inner healing with Christians uh, that actually it was great because I was able to pray with it, they were able to pray with me and we could work through deeply through issues because um, sometimes those issues are so deep that, uh, yeah, it, it can pull you down and you do need help. And um, But I also believe that the psychologists that I've been to and also to the uh, counsellors um, have also helped as well um, and these are non-Christian ones as well but um, I do find that the inner healing through the church um, ministries was also very excellent and so um, that's that's how I see PTSD. I don't look at it as a, you know, like name tagging me and labelling me for the rest of the life. It's post-traumatic stress growth and I'm growing in, in, in such a, a good way uh, because of the strategies that uh, God-given strategies that I put in place. Hey, come back to Sue here for a moment. Sue, uh, how helpful is that? Because if you've been diagnosed, uh, sometimes you feel like you've been put into a pigeonhole, you've been put into a box, and you'll always be what they've diagnosed you as. Uh, interesting way to talk about that, isn't it, to, uh, to add the term growth to that stress. Uh, any thoughts from you, Sue, on, on just on your own experience, Sue? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think that um, growth aspect is so vital to coming through. But it's more the, the definition of the uh, stress being called a disorder. And I object to that because it's not a disorder. It's a, a natural human response to a trauma. And so for anyone who has been seriously traumatised or had traumatic experiences, a traumatic response is a natural response. It's not a disordered response. And I guess that's what I'm trying to um, understand and also try and help people to think about because I think the um, psychiatric sector has placed too many labels on conditions that are actually spiritual distress which is distress of the human spirit. 
Sue, wonderful insights there. Uh, this, the idea of a spirituality attached uh, to trauma and uh, the spirituality of, uh, of our recovery. Uh, and, uh, do you have a thought or two uh, there, Vivian, for Sue on, on that, uh, that development? Yeah, I think, yeah, looking back, you know, like back to the fight and flight response as well. We, we are human and people are not meant to be subjected to continual trauma. And so naturally God made us with either you fight back or you fly or you flight. And um, and so that they're normal reactions, it's true. But it is interesting, I've just, uh, working with 250 children who were traumatised in, in Rwanda, for instance. Now, there were some kiddies there that did really well and they were smiling and, and interacting and having a great, uh, you know, uh, way of life. But there was other kids who I saw so traumatised that they were like a little zombie walking around, my little boy called Katetti. And then, um, yeah, so it was just interesting. And one little boy that the whole time I was there, I was there for a year, uh, never smiled ever. And uh, so it's just interesting that some people respond differently because of their past experiences as well have got a lot to do with it. But they're all under extreme trauma. They would have all seen horrific things during the Rwanda and um, I, I think also, I, I think of my dad. My dad, he wasn't able to cope with stress. But my stepdad was in World War One, and he, he was delightful. And he, he was able to overcome, and he had a stronger Christian faith. I think that probably helped as well. But um, it, it, we have to take into consideration all people are at different levels. So maybe for yourself, it seems like that I'm really, really pleased that you've been able to connect in with the, the Christian groups and, and get the relief. But I suppose I've just seen so much um, you know, people suffering that I suppose um, and how they react. That's why I suppose I've written the way I have in my book about how to some people are overcoming um, and hopefully that will help them. Sue in Kingston in Tasmania, thank you so much for your insight and our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking trauma. It raises the question, doesn't it, Vivian, as to what is normal and what's disordered or not normal. And I guess you've got to have an idea of what normal is uh, to be able to get back to being on a growth trajectory or being healed from some of those things that we're exposed to. Is is there a way that you can somehow or other uh, define what normal is? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. I would be the, the person to, to sort of do that. Um, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counsellor. I'm just an ordinary person who's been able to learn how to overcome certain situations. So normality, you know, it's one of those words. How can we describe that? I, I can't. So maybe a psychologist might or somebody else, yeah, but not me. <laughs> maybe it's normal. I maybe I'm not that normal. <laughs> maybe it's normal to reflect on the words of Jesus. In this world, yes. you will have trouble, but take heart, yes. I have overcome the world. Uh, don't yes. be expecting everything to be uh, keeping us in cotton wool because we're going to be exposed to all sorts of evil and all sorts of trauma and uh, somehow or other to be able to keep our eyes 
on the one who can bring healing for that is going to be a start uh, for all of us, uh, you know, apart from the fact that there might be all sorts of um, special uh, therapeutic things you can do. Hey, PTSD, you've said it's much more common than we think, Vivian. Uh, some of the sorts of things that ordinary people in ordinary households are suffering, that also brings this level of trauma. Any thoughts here on the more common nature of PTSD? Yes, um, I believe it's much, much more common than people realise. It's just that nobody put a sort of a label on it. Um, they've, uh, a lot of people today have experienced a lot of trauma. And that's in particular in regards to things like domestic violence. We know, sadly, that's on the increase. And again, I worked, I think, 13 years in, uh, in a shelter where uh, there was domestic violence. And so um, I've seen the sadness and, and the trauma that it, the parents, but also the children that come in with the parents and how uh, it can affect the children badly. They can, you know, have bad nightmares and... Um, uh, also go regress in their behaviour. They might start wetting the bed again. And, yeah, so there's a, a whole lot of issues, you know, regarding um, how today there is a lot of trauma around us, even though it might not be a war as such. But, uh, yes, these uh, circumstances in our world today, uh, those sort of things have increased. Vivian, let's take another call from a listener. Graham mm-hmm. is in Perth in WA. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Hey, how are you going this morning? Very well, Graham. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I'm um, 55 now, and I grew up with a father who'd um, served in um, Malaya and Vietnam and did 37 years in the Army. So well, I grew up seeing domestic violence at its worst, you know, and it was horrific as a kid. But, you know, I, I struggled myself with, with marriages. I remember speaking to Jim Wallace once, and um, he was chatting to me about how... Not only that the servicemen pay, but the families pay and the next generations pay for people going to war to serve our country. So it's a really tough thing to um, to get a handle on, eh? A very tough thing. And uh, for listeners, uh, Jim Wallace, who's uh, one of the founders of the Australian Christian Lobby and served as a brigadier uh, in the Australian Army. And uh, yes, great insight there, Graham. Uh, Any special uh, response there from you, Vivian? Yes, I agree that it doesn't just affect the person who went through the trauma. It's going to affect the children naturally because uh, it becomes dysfunctional, particularly if there's substance abuse involved with it, alcohol uh, or drugs, and um, and then under the influence, um, anger and all this comes up within a household. And so that makes it really difficult. But um, I just thank the Lord as a child, I think, uh, God really helped me. I just probably had a very childish understanding of God, but uh, it helped me. And I think um, it pulled me through, really. Uh, and like, for instance, uh, I would sit on a swing and I would swing up to the heavens. And for some unknown reason, I felt that the angels were feeding me angel food. And I'd come back down the swing. And I remember it was just all these wonderful things that I felt God had his hand on me as a child to help pull me through 
for what was happening around me. And um, so I do, I'm so grateful for the fact that I went to Sunday school and had that foundation to help me through. But I know there's a lot of people who never even went to Sunday school or didn't even understand about God. And it amazes me that they can even keep coping because it is a very, very difficult thing to go through for a child growing up through a dysfunctional family. Uh, let me come back to Graham for a moment. Graham, what was your experience? Uh, you had this very dysfunctional upbringing. Your own father had suffered uh, PTSD. And as you say, it's like it passes from one generation to the other. You were carrying some of the same sort of anger. Uh, I'm assuming today you're a Christian believer. I wonder if there was a time when, you know, you had some level of encounter with God that uh, that brought you some new insight that you didn't have to hold on to those sorts of behaviours. Any thoughts from you here, Graham? Yeah, well, I, um, I've got a Proverbs 31 wife, so I'm very, very graceful for that and God's um, favour there. But I became a Christian through a suicide attempt. I um, tried to gas myself in my shed many years ago, back in the 90s. And to cut a long story short, I was um, dragged out of the car by a Christian policeman who resuscitated me. And I woke up at a decompression chamber at Fremantle Hospital. So, And when I got out of hospital, the policeman came around my house and shared how the Holy Spirit had um, got him to come around, drag, leave the other calls and come around to my house. So I'm just thankful. And like my sister said there, I was lucky that I had a couple of Sunday school classes back in the day to, to do it. But I just thank the Lord every day. But it just takes a lot of um, good people around you, like-minded, to help you change. You, because steel sharpens steel, doesn't it? And it's just really encouraging to hear my sister's story there this morning, you know. Well, we might thank God for police chaplains, uh, chaplains in every different dimension of serving throughout our community. And Graham, thank you so much for calling in, sharing your story. Uh, that's that's amazing. And uh, Vivian, a, a final word at all for Graham? Uh, yeah, just that. Uh, just continuing to keep looking to the Lord. It's wonderful that you've had uh, that amazing experience from with that police officer helping you and you can see just how wonderful uh, God is and uh, so um, I'm believing the best for you it's really exciting for you that you will also be able to help others who may have been going through some terrible uh, stresses yourself because you've experienced and, and you've got through so um, yeah have, I'm just praying that you will have those wonderful opportunities to speak into people's lives Graham, thanks so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join into our conversation. Just talk th through some things here for a moment. And I know you've got your own stories, Vivian, uh, when you have a serious mm -hmm. car accident. I know you had a serious mm -hmm. car accident. And, mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, we're shaped by the things that we believe. I wonder if you've got any insights here into, into how you deal with things when you've gone through something like that. Yeah, well, in that particular case, that first car accident was um, I'd been uh, very badly backslidden Christian and I was living in Cairns and I was going back to the, the like living in the 70s again, even though it was the 80s and uh, just living a hedonistic sort of lifestyle. And I'd gone to a clairvoyant, actually, and she had said that um, to me that you don't like children. I said, that's a bit weird. I'm working with children. I love children. But she also said you'll have a car accident in August. And um, and so that's exactly what happened. I was hit by a fire engine and it was four tonnes of water, smashed the front of the car. Um, and so 
it's a bit of a wake-up call that I got. I mean, uh, I did. It certainly had a wake-up call, and I ripped up her prediction and said, you may have called, you know, like, whatever's happened, this accident happened, but I'm not going to let my life be ruined because my work is working with children and mothers. And so um, with that car accident... um, it was interesting, though. Um, I wasn't really a Christian at all then, as I said, hedonistic. But um, I was driving, not me, I couldn't drive, my car was a write-off, uh, along the highway in Cairns. And um, the, my friend who picked me up had the radio on and it was singing like an operatic singer. And she's going, oh, and it sounded like a siren. And I went into a complete panic attack. So that's why I believe that it was one of the symptoms of having PTSD, like it was a shock, you know, that what it was, that sound sounded like a siren, which is actually what was happening. It was a fire engine that hit me, but then later there were ambulances with sirens going. And so that sound was in my head. And, um, yeah, I reacted very badly from from that. So, um, but... You know, I think that's it. Uh, again, I was given God-given strategies as time went by, and I actually made a recommitment to the Lord not long after that accident, by the way, so it was a very, very good. Some of those things can be a wake-up call, can't they? And I want to thank you so much for being so candid because, uh, you know, so many people go through experiences in their developing years, and as you say, you were far away from God, uh, living a a, a, a I think you even describe it as a hippie uh, lifestyle uh, into uh, all sorts of things that, you know, we might even say are non-Christian. But you have an experience like that, a traumatic experience as a car accident. Somehow or other, uh, can you ever think of the trauma experiences that we have as a a wake-up call from God? Is this something that you've spoken to people over the times, that people have been way away from God, but then they've had some sort of traumatic experience like a car accident and they've seen that as somehow or other getting their attention and turning back to God. Is that something that happens typically? I don't know if it's typical, but it certainly was for me. Uh, it brought me back to the Lord. And I think sometimes he allows situations to happen. I mean, that prediction, and God knows what that clairvoyant said to me, um, and the way we spiritual realm we don't fully understand. But I know that uh, God did not allow me to die. Uh, He has a plan um, for me from the minute I was born. Uh, He knew what I was going to do in my future life as an aid worker. I I wasn't meant to die then. And uh, but he allowed me to go through it without too much injury, to be quite honest with you. Even the uh, policeman said, how did you survive that? Because uh, all I got was a, a grazed knee with some internal stitches in the knee and a whiplash. And uh, I, I was up and working again. I mean, you know, I shouldn't have been. Uh, the whole front of the car was smashed right up to the dashboard. So, um, yeah, so it, for me, it was a wake up. And sometimes that happens. I think it's wonderful that people never have to have those wake-up calls, but uh, as such a traumatic wake-up call. But uh, I think I'm very, very grateful when I look back and say, uh, you know, that that really was the catalyst that set me on my feet. So within very short time of recommitting myself to the Lord, um, I then went straight over to World Vision in Ethiopia. 
So, um, yeah, so you can see it, I was already trained, ready to be an aid worker, to be quite honest. So God just said it was waiting in the wings for me to make that recommitment and say, all right, Vivian, you're ready. And off you go. Amazing so, how sometimes uh, yeah. things get on track like that. And look, there's yeah. a whole big dimension there. And I know listeners will be very interested, actually, in the issue around clairvoyance and things. We won't go down that trail today, except to say mm-hmm. that we are shaped by what we believe and what we expose ourselves to. And uh, you can be drawn off in a different direction if you expose yourselves to the things of uh, the devil, you might say. Uh, No doubt about that uh, from biblical definitions about what clairvoyants do and uh, the world of demons. Uh, But believing what God says and getting on his side and into his lane, no doubt very, very important uh, for being able to cope with and to process those sorts of things when they happen. Hey, let's take another call. An anonymous caller calling in from Western Australia. Hello, welcome along. Hi, how are you going? Very well. What are your thoughts? That's good. Yeah, I just wanted to ask Vivian about um, when you've got um, just around the, the, like as Christians, you know, we're all, it's, um, if you've suffered PTSD or traumatic childhood, it's always geared towards um, forgiveness of the perpetrator so that you're released and you can move on with your life. But just with that, I'm just wondering, I know for, I've experienced this myself, I went through all that, you know, I've done lots of inner healing and a larger house and lots and lots of different things and they've all been helpful to a point, but I've got to be honest, um, really my father was sort of the perpetrator of the trauma in my life. The, the, the day I felt free was actually the day he died and I know that probably sounds quite harsh to people who have never lived through it. But um, it, his physical leaving of this earth was actually the thing that released me and it was quite a shock when it happened and I've actually felt such freedom since that. And I'm just wondering for people who, you know, they're doing all the right things, they're looking into forgiveness and there's just this thing that's holding them back and it, it really is, do you, would you say that is the, actually, sadly, that is the answer for some people because when, when we look at the example of Jesus, what he did for us, I mean, he requ- he's died for everyone in the world, but he actually requires that we repent. So around the idea of repentance from the abuser, how? just wondering Vivian's thoughts on that and for people who are stuck, can that be a really helpful element in helping them move through forgiveness? Interesting dimension there. Vivian, thoughts for yes. our caller from yes. WA? Yes, I thoroughly agree that forgiveness is a big part of the inner healing and sometimes it's a process. It's something you can't do straight away like, I do put in my book too about how forgiving my dad over time. I thought I had, but I had to go at a deeper level um, later on. But what immediately came to my mind as you were sharing was Corrie ten Boom. Um, She had been a Dutch person that was put into the prison of war camp and her father and her sister were killed and um, she was called, she felt, to go around the world sharing about forgiveness. And But then she got really put to the test. And uh, what it was was that one of the soldiers, the SS, came into the room and um, she knew that he sort of asked for forgiveness and she knew she had to. But there was still that deep, deep hurt, that deep, deep pain. And that's where sometimes if you say, God, I can't do it alone, you're going to have to help me. And that's what Corrie Ten Boom did because she couldn't forgive in her own normal strength. And so what happened, she sort of felt like the Lord lifted her hand up to shake his hand and then she was able to verbalize, yes, I forgive you. Um, And so, but sometimes you don't have to go to the perpetrator 
um, for the forgiveness. Sometimes it has to be because it's very dangerous sometimes to go straight to a perpetrator and do that type of forgiveness. Sometimes it has to happen in a, you know, you yourself or with somebody and just pray it through and asking for forgiveness for what they've done to you. And uh, yes, so I think that's, it is an important element, otherwise you can get stuck. So uh, God wants us to forgive, but he knows the pain that you've gone through too. And he knows the pain that I've gone through, that sometimes it's it's not an instant thing. It's going to take a long journey, uh, longer for some people, quicker for others. Yeah. No doubt uh, there's going to be different levels that people will feel emotionally because uh, what comes to mind for our listener in Western Australia is the thought that sometimes a victim of crime uh, can feel all the more greatly threatened when the perpetrator of that crime is released from jail. And that would uh, obviously affect your emotional well-being and feeling of safety. And uh, our listener in WA has taken that to a whole new level and uh, felt some level of relief when the perpetrator of those issues had actually died. So no doubt there's going to be some physical things that happen but really around the things that we can control uh, in some sense here, uh, Vivian, forgiveness. That's one of those things that is so much more powerful than most of us appreciate. But until you're in the circumstance where forgiveness is not your first thought, sometimes you want revenge. Uh, But forgiveness is the thing that releases us and brings about that opportunity for us to heal from some of that trauma. Any final thought around that? Uh, yeah, well, I think that's it. To me, it was key. Um, I had to forgive. But actually, one of the things I had to forgive about uh, was actually to forgive humanity. And, you know, honestly, I lost trust in people after being in Rwanda. And uh, you could imagine, uh, yeah, it's just an awful thing. You, you're scared somebody is going to do something to you because there it was totally chaotic. And um, I remember having to, it was in a prayer um, meeting and I couldn't at that time forgive humanity. I just sort of thought, I can't, it's just too much. So I went home and I, I, I worked through it and then I had to say, Lord, I have to learn to trust you because I have to trust you to help me to trust others and I have to trust you that you won't put me in danger, that you'll protect me when um, these things happen around me. And so, because I, 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 life is full of trials and tribulations and things will happen, but we do need to pray for God's protection wherever we go and whatever we do. And I suppose that's what I hope that, um, uh, yeah, people can see that yeah, the importance of praying to God to help us, you know, I have to forgive God, um, which is sounds crazy, but yeah, I needed to do that too because it, um, it's humans that do it to one another, not God. And I know you'll raise a thought or two in so many listeners as uh, they deal with their own uh, issues, emotions, even anger, uh, anger against God and uh, those, those dimensions. Hey, we've only got a few minutes left for our conversation. I wonder if we were talking about some of the other ways, some of the even therapies that uh, are available for people who've suffered some levels of trauma. I know you like to enlarge on things like art therapy and music therapy and even equine therapy. Thoughts here about about how you actually get onto that pathway of recovery and, and, and what makes things a lot easier? Yeah, I think um, I naturally did it as a child. Um, I drew 
and I wrote poems. It was an expression of what was going inside of me, and that's all part of helping you to overcome. Uh, but then as an adult and being in Rwanda and seeing um, art therapy in being used uh, for the children that were very traumatised, I saw the value of um, what they were able to do. They expressed exactly what was happening like before the war, during the war, straight after the war, and um, then the future. And it was just really fascinating to see these drawings. But these little kids were able to express their emotions and apparently our children, who were very severely traumatised, weren't living with any family, were doing better than the village children at school because our children were able to release their emotions through these therapies and um, the kids at their homes didn't have that. And so they were a bad behaviour in the school were actually the kids who had um, lived with family at the time. So I could see the value of the art therapy of just being able to express like a boil. You've got to pop that boil and let it all out. And I think these therapies are a way of doing that. It's a way of expressing yourself and um, it's part of the journey. So there might be all sorts of ways, but ways you can express your emotions and therapeutic ways, uh, as you say, you know, you've been able to write poetry. Not everyone's a great writer, but uh, people like reading uh, and people like, and there's another one I want to touch on with you is the thought of volunteering. Uh, Reading, volunteering, are these also good therapies? Oh, yes, yes. I think the volunteering is probably one of the things I really want to push is because if you get caught up just in yourself, inner thinking, and uh, it can, you know, your own world is just around your mind all the time. If you can reach out and help others, then what happens is is it really is a part of your healing process too that um, you're learning to extend yourself to others and uh, I believe that's a biblical principle too. So uh, I think it's very important. And of course, reading, I found that helpful for me, um, reading books and things like that as well. Well, we have discussed some things around all sorts of dimensions in some earlier conversations too. Your work in Central Australia when in those days when petrol sniffing was so big and so damaging to young Aboriginal populations. Uh, You had those sorts of experiences as well. Uh, No doubt there'll be some listeners might want to get a hold of your book uh, to read a lot of very colourful descriptives about all of the different uh, circumstances that you've worked in. Uh, Vivian Wilson's new book is called Overcoming Trauma. It is a second edition And I want to point listeners to how you can connect with Vivian. She has a website, vivianwilson.com, vivianwilson.com. You can get a hold of Vivian's book. Best way to get that is simply Google uh, or get an Amazon website to Amazon Australia, and you'll be able to get a hold of Vivian's book, either in a hard copy or an e-book or also an audio book. So vivianwilson.com or go to Amazon Australia to get a hold of Vivian's book, Overcoming Trauma, the second edition. Uh, She's also written some other books too, one called A Full Life, and another one called Called to the Centre, the story behind establishing Teen Challenge, uh, Centralia. Uh, So uh, wonderful insights from the life of Vivian Wilson. Vivian, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thank you so much as well, Neil. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.